the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Rob Black and your money. And now, here's Rob Black. Welcome in to Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Another day, another dollar, another look at how Wall Street's actually working. I try to give you insight into how Wall Street works on a day-by-day basis since you feel comfortable, since you don't think that it's an issue that's working against you, that you think it's an issue that's working for you. Try to give you a little bit of positivity. Try to give you a little bit of um, honesty. So just good quality honesty. This is what this means. Wall Street's back. Wall Street had a rough two days, and now it's starting to look back at earnings. I'm not going to say I told you so, because trust me, I want it more of a pullback than what we got. In my opinion, we didn't get enough. Again, I like down days. What's up with this weirdo? I like down days. It's the only day that I feel like I'm getting a bargain. So today we see the Dow's up 75, out of the gate, boom, like a rocket shot. NASDAQ up 14, boom, like a rocket shot. That's up one half 1%. Keep in mind that if you go back to the 1960s, 1970s, we were lucky to move half a percent in a week. Wall Street was much more boring back then, a lot less volatile. All of our neighbors and friends weren't trying to pick stocks. We weren't all in 401ks. There weren't hedge funds out there that were, how shall we say, dominant players. Hedge funds are mutual funds basically for wealthy people that can take leverage. So $1 million becomes $10 million. $10 million becomes $100 million. So not even real money sometimes moves the market. Leveraged money moves the market. So lots to talk about today. GE earnings, Bank of America earnings. Um, Google, they've got a new CEO. Tons to talk about. Let's take a look at some of the other data points, though. The S&P 500 is up 9. The 10-year Treasury bond sits at 3.45%. Historically, the 10-year Treasury bond is an indicator for the economy. 2% on the 10-year Treasury is like something's wrong. We're, tr- we're lowering interest rates so low to kind of resuscitate the economy. 3% starting to get a little bit better, but still not healthy. I like seeing the 10-year treasury right around 4%. That's been the norm in my life. So seeing it for a prolonged period under 4%, it's a little bit on the weird side. It's a little bit on the odd side. Um, it tells you that the U.S. economy has really hit this prolonged period of like change, weakness and change. So oil uh, sits at $89.52 a barrel. I keep an eye on oil in large part when it makes a move. You and I are paying more at the pump, and when you and I pay more at the pump, we've got a little less to spend on consumer discretionary goods like retail clothing. It all plays in together. As I say on Wall Street, the elbow is connected to the chin. You know, it's like you're saying that makes no sense, Rob. I know. It's part of the point. But everything is interconnected. So for a second straight day, we had profit taking as a theme yesterday. And the market failed to advance, even though earnings were great. And again, earnings across the board have been fantastic. A couple misses on revenue, 
bringing into question, hey, what are you going to do if revenue continues to decline? Because you can only fire so many people. But not that many misses on revenue. So for the second straight day, there was reason to think the inability to advance, the inability to move higher, was a headwind, was a profit-taking, that maybe we had gone as far as we could in the recent rally. Maybe up 3% for January was as, as much as we could expect. Perhaps anything above that would be speculation. Now, just about everything was down early, which was the case despite getting better than expected initial claims yesterday. Better than expected existing home sales data. And again, earnings news was better than expected. Now, true to form, though, yesterday, there was a little interest in buying the dip. So as much as we're not willing to go higher on speculation, we're not willing to go lower on these are pretty damn good earnings. So what is more and more important here is that the rebound in the equity market coincided with a sell-off in the treasury market. When there's a sell-off in the treasury market, there's a raising of cash. And much like chaos, if you've ever dated a crazy person, that crazy energy, it gets bundled up and it has to eventually explode and go somewhere. Same thing with cash. So anecdotally, the dynamic would suggest that early profit-taking equities was stemmed partially by a little bit of a reallocation into treasuries, into safety. Now, the S&P futures moved higher this morning. Yesterday, after the market closed, Google was all over the news. Management shakeup. Not really a management firing, but a management shakeup. So Google, a big tech company, reported earnings yesterday. And General Electric, how shall we say, a huge diversified financial, healthcare, industrial company, reported earnings this morning. Plus, on top of that, we got a positive bias out of Europe. So things were looking good at the start of the morning. Real good. Real nice. So Bank of America posted its quarterly results. Uh, now, these results are brutal to read. And this is one of the flaws of doing a morning show is that I can't give you a really good spin on these results. They came up, it looks like, 10 cents shy. They did a massive restructuring. They cleared out their GSE, government-sponsored entity exposure, so they took a kind of a, a medicine quarter. They took a lump quarter. They took a shovel to the face quarter. So the stock is trading just a skosh lower in pre-market trading. So Wall Street's not totally upset with it. It's not like it was a disastrous quarter. It certainly wasn't a good quarter. And as the mornings started out from 9.30 on the East Coast to 10.15 on the East Coast, so 6.30 on our time, 7.15 here, um, Bank of America is slowly but steadily moving higher. Now, again, if you know anything about my show, I want to see the financials lead us higher. If the financials as a sector are moving higher, it's telling us something good. It's telling us, well, on a day-by-day basis, maybe it's telling us nothing. But on a month-by-month basis, it's telling us that the economy has got some faith in banks, that their lending might get used properly, that their lending is being monitored, that the risk is, is contained. So not always. Trust me, uh, we felt pretty good right before the fall. But again, banks typically in your lifetime, you want them leading the market. The market recognizes the Bank of America is embroiled in some very company-specific situations. And I think they're being a little bit forgiving by letting them get uh, move higher on a day where they're also letting the stock market move higher. So Bank of America, which is just honestly totally a mess, 
is getting some traction today, which is nice to see. So the action in small cap and mid cap stocks is an indicator to me, along with the large cap tech companies, which some might think go to the you know the way that Apple did. So Google, great quarter. Apple, great quarter. Mid cap, small cap, all great quarters. Now the Russell two thousand down three point seven percent so far this week. Now the Russell two thousand was up twenty five percent last year. The S and P four hundred mid cap index down one point five percent this week. Last week, the S&P 400 mid-cap index was up over 25%. The NASDAQ 100 down 1.6%. Very similar story. So the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which is interesting, the weakest player last year, having only double-digit gains, is up three-tenths of a percent for the week. Isn't that interesting? Last year, the huge winners, the Russell, the S&P 500, uh, the S&P 400 mid-cap, and the NASDAQ, they're the weak players this week. And the strong player this week was the guy who underperformed the big players last year. So the underperformance of the former three is notable in terms of profit-taking. Okay? So there's a profit-taking theme. It's not a, we don't believe in the stock market anymore. It's not a, we're running out of here screaming we're on fire theme. It's a profit-taking theme. It's normal. It's calm. It's relaxing. Again, just bringing that up to you brings up another concept. You can't just own the S&P 500. That's not the stock market. When people say the market's down last year or up this year, they're totally incorrect because the market is made up of a lot of small markets and international markets. So you can't tie yourself into just one market. It would be a mistake. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on KDOW 1220. It's Rob Black and Your Money on KDO 1220. Uh, coming up on the show, I'm going to talk about Google. Dr. Eric Schmidt changing his role inside the company. To get your calls in there, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. I'm Rob Black for KDOW 1220. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Uh, Today, I've actually been kicked out of my studio. I'm in a remote location. (laughs) It's kind of funny. Ray Lucia's in town. And uh, he's kind of like the night... He's kind of like the Pope. He's kind of like the boss. He's kind of like the Don of uh, business radio. He does a show right after mine from 9 to noon. He's in town to do a couple seminars, I believe. Maybe one seminar. Um, but people get excited when he's in town. It's kind of funny because he's got this really deep voice. But when you meet him in person, he actually sounds like one of the um, one of the munchkins from Oz. He's uh, you know the guy who used to do the We Represent the Lollipop Guild. That's, that's what he sounds like in person. A lot of people don't know. To get your calls on the air with me today, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Ray and I do a very different type of show. His is a little bit more broad-based financial planning. Mine's a little bit more of a bullet shot into the Wall Street Journal, a bullet shot into what's happening on the markets today. And uh, by all means, listen to both. If you've got five straight hours, I think you're going to walk away with one or two things every day that apply to you. You'll hear one or two things that confuse you. You'll hear 30 things that you don't care about. But you listen to both of us. I think you'll become in, in broader, smarter. Now, today, one of the big stories in the news is Google. Great Google and a Mooglita. Google's co-founder, Larry Page, young punk from Stanford, is going to become... No, no, no. Young punk from Berkeley. Excuse me. He's going to become chief executive officer, taking it in the reins from Eric Schmidt, who basically oversaw the transformation of, from a barely profitable startup company with 200 employees 
into the owner of the world's most used search engine with $29 billion in sales last year. This was always supposed to happen. Larry and Sergi were friends and partners in business, but they were considered to be children when they got Google up and going. So Dr. Eric Schmidt came from Novell, and he was kind of the babysitter. Now, that's the terms that people are using, and I think it's a little bit on the rude side, but it's a little bit on the, it's easy to box it and contain it in the story side. Dr. Eric Schmidt, 55 years old, he joined the company in 2001. He's going to stay with the company. He's going to focus on deals and partnerships and customers. Page is going to take over day-to-day operations. Schmidt navigated the company past early doubts that it could build a successful ad business around a search engine. He also oversaw the 2004 initial public offering, the biggest for an internet company. There's evidence that the founders staying fully engaged is a positive thing. It's not a negative. So Wall Street's kind of digging this. When I first saw it yesterday, I was like, uh-oh, why is uh, he being forced out? And he's not being forced out. Page, Larry Page, who has never been the CEO of a public company, is going to take the helm of Google. And it's 24,000 employees while they're confronting their biggest rivalry yet, Facebook. The world's largest networking site, Facebook has amassed more than half a billion users since its founding in 2004. It'll hit 600 billion sometime soon. Apple poses a threat in mobile software and advertising. So there's big transfers of leadership here. You're transferring leadership from a guy with a PhD in computer science to a tech executive um, kid. Student who began working on the project that spawned Google. Schmidt was a mentor to Page during his tenure. He also clashed with a co-founder, so they've not always had perfect fit. God, I messed that up, didn't I? Page and Brent met at Stanford. Why did I blow that one? Why was I thinking it was Berkeley? Then they started to collaborate on a search engine. The fruit of that effort was incorporated in 1998. So uh, Page and Bryn brought Shin Schmidt to become chairman in 2001. Schmidt once at one point in time was tied towards Sun Microsystems. He left Sun Microsystems to go help a company called Novell, and he took that stock from 6 bucks to 30 bucks. So I've always followed Dr. Eric Schmidt. He may be getting tired. He may be getting ready to move on to maybe a position in, say, like the Obama administration. I'm not quite sure. But what he leaves behind is a pretty company, a company in pretty good standing. It's not a wreck. They reported a great quarter. Income hit $2.5 billion, not shabby. That's pretty darn attractive. The economy is picking up, and as e-commerce growth has accelerated, companies that are tied towards e-commerce are saying, let's spend more money. So as they want to spend more money, Google's in the right place. Now, Google gives away their, their operating system for free because they want more people to search. They want more people to use the applications tied towards that operating system. This will be an interesting year because more tablets will be developed using Google's Android and competition will come in. It will come in definitively with uh, Apple. So Google's grabbed a 66.6. Ooh, the sign of the devil. They've grabbed a 66.6% search of all searches. That's up from 66.2 the month before. Microsoft and Yahoo had 28.2 down from 28.2% the month before. So Wall Street's digging it. Let me tell you what Wall Street's saying about this whole Google thing. And even before I do that, let's uh, take a quick look at the markets. Ding dong, diddly ding dong. Let's see how the markets are trading today. Uh, we got the Dow up 63, NASDAQ up 10, S&P 500 up 7. So how does Wall Street view the Google scenario? Stifle Nicholas notes that Google reported a very good revenues and earnings, confirming broad operational strength. Strong performance was overshadowed 
by the announcement that CEO Eric Schmidt will be moving to executive chairman and co-founder. Larry Page will be taking over as CEO. Target moved from 700 to 775. Sounds like they don't really mind it, huh? So they're upping the price target on it. Let's take a look at how Google shares are trading. Last night when they announced a great quarter, the shares just inched up just a penny. Today it's moving up eight bucks, up 1.37%. So another analyst over at Kaufman, he talks about domestic revenue growth accelerated. He says paid click growth also accelerated to 18% year over year. Domestic was up 29% year over year. Strong holiday. Remember everyone talking about the holiday Christmas season. You had higher sales and marketing expenses due to Chrome advertising and some small and mid-sized business sales efforts. You had higher compensation costs in 2011. The partner of Eric Schmidt, who spearheaded their phenomenal growth over the last decade, it could be viewed as a negative or at least increased uncertainty. So they're on that side of the fence. I see another analyst, Oppenheimer, moving the price target to 715 from 705. So they're, they're okay with it. A new CEO will f- drive faster innovation. Um, so maybe that, that's a positive thing over at Oppenheimer. Taking a quick look at the market numbers again. We've got the Dow up 60, the NASDAQ up 10, the S&P 500 up 7. Coming up, more news that's happening on Wall Street today, right now, while you're sitting in your cars. Rob Black and your money, 1220 a.m. Welcome in. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. I do want to say thanks for listening to the show. Um, on occasion, I forget that, again, it's called Rob Black and your money. I hope you don't forget that you can call in at any point in time, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. I was going to do a specialty theme show today, and that theme show is going to be uh, my cough drop show, where I take 15 cough drops and I see what sort of honesty and lucidity comes out of the show, uh, because I am at a safe remote location. Uh, the one, the only, the wizard himself, Ray Lucia, is coming into town to do two seminars in the Bay Area. Um, and again, it's kind of funny. He's kind of like Tom Jones. Uh, he's been in the business a long time. And uh, women at his seminars throw panties at him. And they used to throw thongs at him. And now they're throwing granny panties at him because they've been fans for a very, very long time. Um, he's very good at what he does. And he uh, can pick up a guitar and play a guitar, a mean guitar. So women dig Ray Lucia. With that said, let's move forward. Uh, let's talk about my little world because if we don't, I spiral out of control because I need me, 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 me. Um, the Dow, it, it's moving up today, and I'm going to be honest with you. I want a correction. I know that's not popular. I know that's not cool, but I want a correction. GE boosts their fourth quarter income 52%. That's great. Bank of America reported a loss of $1.6 billion, kind of a baby in the bathwater quarter. That's great. Verizon's moving $20.2 billion in pension losses to the past. Oh, Hewlett Packard. There, there's some news that we could talk about. Hewlett Packard is replacing a third of their board. Reshuffling, so to speak, after the Mark Hurd CEO seminar. Um, mess up that is uh, HP. So they're replacing part of their board. What's interesting to know, one of the people they're putting on their board is Meg Whitman. No, 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 really, don't boo. No, no, stop your booing. So HP changed their board of directors. They announced that they're going to be appointing five new directors effective January 21st. 
while four incumbent directors will not stand for re-election. Uh, one's being removed completely. The new directors include Shubit Banjiri, CEO of Booz & Company, Gary Reiner, former CIO of GIGE, Patricia Russo, there's a name I haven't heard for a while, uh, former CEO of Alcatel-Lucent. She was uh, CEO of Lucent for a while, then they merged with Alcatel-Lucent. That's an interesting pull. Uh, Meg Whitman, former president and CEO of eBay, and Dominique Sneaker, CEO of AXA Private Equity. So in theory, the board is there to make sure that the CEO has the vision that takes care of shareholders and that when situations do arise, like maybe a CEO with cancer or a CEO who's got a little bit of a, a pornography f- issue that the public knows. These are publicly traded companies and key in on the word publicly. And because they're publicly traded, they have to disclose material information to you and me. So if, if you learn one thing today, you learn that board of directors are beholden to you the shareholder. So you are in theory, they're conscious. So let's take a look at some of the early movers and shakers on wall street. Let's see what's doing good. What's doing not so good on the NASDAQ intuitive surgical. This is a company they're moving higher, 11% higher. This is a company that has like a, it's called the Da Vinci robot system. And it is a stock pickers momentum play. It's, a surgery that a doctor can do better with a robot than with his own hands. And it's gaining more and more traction and it's gaining more and more surgeries. Maxim integrated big semiconductor company blew out numbers. They're up to date. Big Flextronics, News Corp and Micron all moving higher in the world of losers. Biogen, Sears Holdings, Electronic Arts, eBay and Netflix are the top 5% early decliners on the NASDAQ. Now, back over the Dow Jones Industrial Average, it's 30 stocks. It's not that critical of an index to grasp because it's only 30 stocks. IBM's moving into the red today after hitting a 52-week high yesterday. There's no shame in owning IBM. Oftentimes, I like to tell you about IBM is they made a huge mistake in the 70s. They didn't really want to do an operating system, so they called a little company called Microsoft and said, hey, can you write an operating system for us? They didn't really want to do the research on a new semiconductor, so they called a little company called Intel and said, hey, can you do a semiconductor for us? Next thing you know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, IBM gave birth to huge tech giants. So interesting note, right? Now, I also know that IBM is ingrained in our culture. People talk about you know, the IBM way and wearing the black suit and the black tie. So being a little bit on the stuffy side to understand technology. So I like IBM. I like the fact that you and I could talk like that about IBM. I like the fact that they're boring. The Dow, you're seeing some strength today in GE. Great quarter. American Express, good reflection on the small business, mid-sized business in America. Caterpillar, Verizon, and Bank of America. Now, Verizon's in the news because they're restructuring how their pensions are being noteworthy shown. So why do you care about that? It's, it's accounting, believe it or not, that you do need to care about. So they've assumed a discount rate, which is 6.25% into 2009. They're moving that to 5.75% for purposes of determining pension and liability. That change increase in the liability is $2.9 billion. So they're, they're basically becoming a more conservative company with their vision. Healthcare and other retiree benefits costs were favorably compared to assumptions resulting in about $1.3 billion reduction in liabilities. So they're managing their liabilities. 
Verizon's one of those companies that my parents could have worked for, and they would have been well taken care of. Verizon obviously split off of Mob Bell, AT&T. And that's back in the golden age where you got good benefits. That's back in the golden age where you got a pension. You work there for 20, 30 years. They give you retirement till the day you die. Not so much today. But until all those retirees die, Verizon has a liability on their hands. Now, some other losers on Wall Street. And again, Verizon's not a loser. But I told you I was going to tell you the winners and losers. Bank of America down. Microsoft, Procter & Gamble, McDonald's, and Johnson & Johnson. So... Weaker than expected earnings from Bank of America are short-term weighing on the stock, even though they started off in the red and they moved to in the black. Regional banks like State Street and BB&T, uh, they reported better than expected results. BB&T, you probably have heard on the show, is one of my stocks of the year. Every year I come up with 25 stocks. Um, I'm doing a regional bank. In large part, I think that they have been... They, they dodged a bullet. Regional banks last year dodged a bullet. That's the best way of saying it. Um, people expected last year that they were going to have uh, huge write-offs tied towards commercial real estate, tied towards commercial loans. So I put this on my one of my favorite stocks of the year, um, so in early January. So we'll see how I do on this one. Uh, this is a regional bank that I feel comfortable with through the year, not through the instant gratification. And keep in mind, it's coming off of 2010, which was pretty good, moving from 22 bucks a share to about 26 bucks a share. So I'm not saying I'm late to it, but I'm saying that I'm picking it up on a year two of hopefully an extension and a recovery. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Don't be shy with the phone calls. We don't need that at this point in time. Other tech stories and other stories in the news, Riverbed Technology. This week we saw a tech company in the world of networking equipment come out and and disappoint Wall Street. That brought everyone down in the sector. So Riverbed Technology has a repriced expectation now. They've kind of gone from a hyper growth company to a growth company. There's phases of companies. Hypergrowth, obviously, pretty easy to see. Grow your revenues, young boy. We don't care about anything else. Growth, now that you're becoming a man, let's make sure that you can get some to the bottom line. Then you get your more mature company, which is more of a growth and income. Look, you're not the young buck that you used to be. So make sure not only can you earn money, but make sure you share some of it with your shareholders. And later in life, when you hit 65 plus, Make sure you, as your dying years go, not necessarily dying years, but as your golden years go, however long they may last, give as much back as you can because your growth opportunities are behind you. That's kind of like the life cycle of a tech company. So Riverbed Technology went from a hyper-growth company to a growth company. That transition is brutal. It could be a 20 to 60% correction in the stock. You'll see that transition in every chart of every tech company as they go from hyper-growth to growth. Other big stories of news today include Kindle. The digital text platform has extended 70% royalty option to books sold in Canada. So Amazon's continuing to try to grow their footprint for the Kindle. So they're extending that royalty to options to include books sold to Canadian customers. What's surprising to me is I didn't know Canadians could read. <laughs> Kidding. They play hockey. They make great beer. They've got beautiful women. So the royalty options available for books sold to Canadian customers from the Kindle store 
for Kindle, Kindle G3G, Kindle DX, or any of the Kindle apps that are out there for the iPad, iPhone, iPod, BlackBerry, PC, Mac, Windows phones, or Android-based phones. Isn't that funny? We used to be, just be able to say, hey, the Kindle platform is the, is the platform for books. Now you got to say iPad, iPhone, iPod, BlackBerry, PC, Mac, Windows. It's nuts, right? It's nuts. Oh, and by the way, Canadians make great bacon. Not only do they have great women, great beer, great hockey, but fantastic bacon. So that's about all I got for you. And thank you for giving us Wayne Gretzky. I know they're still upset about that. To get your calls in there, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Do you want me to give you a second opinion, a look-see at General Electric or Google or Apple? Do you want me to give you my opinion on, say, the economy and inflation? Don't be shy. You need to pick up the phone. Call the show. 800-516-1220. I'm Rob Black, 12 KDOW. Welcome back in to Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Let's take a look-see at the overall markets. Um, pretty good day. And again, these kind of days bore me. The Dow's up 52. The Nasdaq's up 5. The S&P 500 up 6. We're in earnings season, and we didn't have enough of a pullback. We eventually will pay for that. That's what I'm getting at. We've had a great start to the year. Great start to the year. And just because we have two days of pulling back, not enough for me. I like to see a little chaos. I like to see a little doubt. I like to see a little urine stain where people are just getting that kind of nervous. They're almost ready to pee themselves. They're that kind of like, no, don't go all the way back. I don't want to lose what I've invested. I want some tension and we're not getting enough of it. I want some some volatility. So the Dow is up 52, NASDAQ up 6, SP 500 up 6. Eventually we will pay for it because the markets don't move straight up forever. Okay? So go with me on that at least, shall you? Shall you? We shall, Rob. We shall. Oh, good golly. So right around the corner, we got the Super Bowl. So we're going to start talking advertising. Economy is picking up, right? So as the economy picks up, that's good news for the Super Bowl and advertising. It should be a fun year for commercials. Um, advertisers watch your sales because they know you're spending right now. GE, their earnings are up 31%. Sweet. College, we used to refer to that as sweet leaf. I didn't know that meant something else. I went to college pretty naive. Very naive. Last night, I gave a little bit of a speech to some teachers. Um, local school in my neighborhood asked me, a preschool of all things, asked me to come talk to the parents about some basic things. I love doing stuff like that. That, that lights up my life. So... I went and I talked to them. And for instance, all the people there um, have kids. So I said, you know, first things first, you have to set priorities. You have to have enough money to retire on when you turn 60. But on top of that, you have to have enough money to pay for their college. And they said, how much? I said, well, when you're 60, you're going to need about a million dollars, which will create forty to $60,000 a year of income for you. 60000 in great years, 40000 in bad years. Historically speaking, that's just a generic term. And then for your kids, you need about 250000 from age 0 to 17 to feed, clothe, educate them and you need another quarter of a million in today's dollars to send them to college. That's a stunning number. So for a family with one kid, I'm talking, you need a million to retire on at least and $500,000 in cash flow to pay for your kids till they're 21. I think you need to make a budget. I said, everyone go to mint.com, M I N T.com, start a budget. 
because you need to start funding those goals. And you need somewhere between ten and forty thousand by age thirty, somewhere between forty and a hundred thousand by age forty. And if you don't work close to that, you're probably going to be working until the day you die. I talked a little bit about the four hundred one k, the four hundred three b, as the four fifty seven, the best ways to save money for retirement. It allows you to every two weeks put money in, skip paying federal tax, let it go tax deferred, come out of a lower tax bracket of income later in life. If you think you're going to be wealthier in retirement, then you want to fund a Roth. If you qualify for that, because that'll allow you to have your big purchases without paying income tax on them. Talked a little bit about uh, controlling your debt, pay off all debt over 8%. Talked a little bit about saving for college because those were all parents. There's a good website called savingforcollege.com, savingforcollege.com. Every state offers a 529 plan, which allows your money to grow tax deferred and come out, be tax free for spending on kids' colleges. Um, savingforcollege.com. When they asked me about allowances and issues along those lines, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how you should raise your kids. Don't ask me. Um, I told them that the most important insurance for everyone in the age 20 to 60 is disability insurance. Uh, you have a higher likelihood of being disabled before 60 than being, losing your life. Now, with that said, term life insurance is best for young people. Uh, you get it for 20 years, you get $1 million or 10 times your salary roughly to start. Just to start, that's not a, fi- a set number. You may have higher expenses, you may have lower expenses. You get term life for 20 years on the people who earn the money in the family. So if both uh, parents earn money, you get term life on both of them because you could die. You could be a Michael Jackson and OD on drugs. You could be uh, a weak heart that no one knew about, Brittany Murphy. Poor little Brittany Murphy, we miss her. Um, so basically I flew through, this is your whole financial life in an hour or less. Now, again, you can't quite do that. I say you get insurance that you can't afford to lose. So you get home insurance, um, because you owe the bank a million dollars on your home, right? You get life insurance because in the next 20 years, that's your income that you're insuring in case you lose your life. Auto insurance um, is a good idea. I use the highest deductibles possible. I never want to use my auto insurance. If you've seen the last vehicle that I drove, the bumper was literally half off. There was a scratch on the side, which was brutal. I didn't care. So if no one loves me for who I am and they want to love me for the car, that's fine. Um, But I'm not big into using my insurance. So anyway, money's not that difficult. Um, I told every one of them, I said, you need to get an estate plan. You need to have a will. You need to have a trust because... Let's say you get hit by a bus and a million dollars goes to your husband and your husband decides to go out and marry a 16-year-old girl who wants to have three kids and your three kids suddenly have three brothers and sisters. You probably don't want them to get access to your million dollars. In this day and age, parents die off, right? And we're a nuclear family, so you really have to set up how do you want your will? How do you want your trust? How do you want your money divided up? Um, in case you pass. Now, again, I used an extreme example of a husband remarrying a young woman, but how about the husband just loses his mind and he goes off and, and leaves the kids because he, he, he mourns you so much. You got to have some directives. Who do your kids go to in case both mom and dad die in a car crash? That's why you need a will and estate plan. I'm Rob Black. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on KDOW 1220. I know you're saying that was a financial 101 fantastic all in five minutes or less yes thank you very much thank you very much um you listen to rob black and your money kdow 1220 uh you can call the show 800-516-1220 800-516-1220 you can drop an email rob 
at robblack.com. That's Rob, R-O-B, at robblack.com. I've got a Facebook group page called I Hate Rob Black. I Hate Rob Black. It's a fan page where you can give questions and ask uh, second opinions at group page, Facebook, I Hate Rob Black. Let's take a little bit of a break here, get some news fed to us, come back with some fresh perspective on Wall Street. I'm Rob Black, 1220 KDOW. So GE's clawing their way back into respectability with a great quarter. Um, financially speaking, we're having an up day on Wall Street. Dow's up 43. NASDAQ just turned negative. That's interesting. S&P 500 up four. I like down days. I like some down weeks. I like to relieve some steam from the pressure cooker. So two days don't make enough of a correction for me. I need more. Mo. Mo money, mo money, mo. Uh, so GE results portrayed a stronger economy. That's the bottom line of all of this. That's all you need to know. You can go home class dismissed. Now, with that said, there's other issues out there. Obama named Jeffrey Immelt of GE the new head of the recovery panel. HP has revamped their board of directors, bringing in ex-eBay CEO Meg Whitman. She's going to recoup some of that money that she lost in her government campaign to become governor. Uh, as a board member, uh, Google earnings were great. Larry Page coming back, not coming back, but shifting his role. Now he's going to be CEO, young CEO of a big company. Interesting. Spain plans to force its non-listed local banks to go public in an attempt to help them raise capital. Manager of the European Financial Stability Facility has denied Greece will need to have its debt restructured and claimed. Ultimately, markets are overestimating the risk. It's a little bit of a sigh of relief. Bank of America, their earnings came in below expectations. But they also wrote off a lot for their settlement with the government-sponsored entities, the Fannie Mae and the Freddie Mac. So I'm not saying it was a bad quarter. I'm saying that they took some lumps that they needed to take. So we'll stick with that story and see how long I believe that. <laughs> so one of the things I was talking about before we went to break was companies in an earnings season that mean something to me. Um, you'll hear me say things like, I got to go. I got to listen to a conference call. I'll talk to you tomorrow. The earnings reports out of Intel tell me what's happening in the world of the ecology, literally the ecology, the jungle of technology. Intel and Microsoft mean something to me. Intel means more to me than Microsoft. That's for darn sure. So other companies that mean something to me, Fastenal. They sell a lot of the parts and products that are used in manufacturing and maintenance and, and construction. So the strong earnings from them buttress the idea of an improved industrial production and new orders in the economy. Regional banks mean something to me. True regional banks like a PNC, a BB&T, a SunTrust, because they don't have all the baggage that, say, a Goldman Sachs or Morgan Stanley has. GE, to me, covers the medical field, covers the financial field, covers the industrial field. Um, they just reported great numbers and to progress in those areas equals progress in our economy. Next up in the world of companies you have to look at, Schlumberger. Some people cutely refer to it as Schlumberger, right? That's cute. Schlumberger is tied towards the energy sector. They have, they're driven not by the prices of oil and gas, although higher fuel prices make energy companies more willing to invest. Um, it's because the results are not driven by oil and gas. It's results are earnings driven. So when they're flat, they're telling you the whole sector's flat. So the stock has a lot to tell. 
Let's go to a phone call. It's out there. Um, I'm going over companies that mean something to me in earnings season. Schlumberger is not tied towards oil and gas prices. So their outlook on business um, gives a good outlook on the energy companies. 3M is another one. They report earnings on January 25th. They're one of the most diversified companies on the planet. They've got 50,000 products out there. Post-it notes are what they're known for. But 3M's in health, industrial, video. They're in consumer goods. The, the Dow Jones Industrial weights its components by share price. The 3M's the fourth most influential company on the Dow Jones Industrial Average. You know their results when they're scintillating, the market is scintillating. When they're flat, the market becomes flat. Disney is a big tell as far as media companies go. Um, I think they're important to watch on travel and entertainment firms as well. Coming up, I'll finish this list of companies you got to pay attention to. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money, 1220 KDOW. Ray Lucia's live in studio today. Don't know what to make of this yet, but I just saw that Google started to break down a little bit, very similar to the way Apple did after their earnings report, where not the first day, but the second day is started to give a little bit of a correction. I like seeing that action, to be quite honest with you, especially when you've had such a big run in stocks. But there's a little bit of a report leaking out that Google's operating system, Android, is perhaps using, and I don't know if this is legal or not legal, but it looks like there may be infringement on the Java code. There's a tech blog site called Engadget that's supporting Oracle's claim that Google's Android is using Java inside its software. So, you want to learn a little bit more about this, go Google ingadget.com. That's the letter E-N-G-A-D-G-E-T. And uh, it's kind of a tech-heavy blog that sometimes will break stories about the Apple phones and situations along those lines that you know are tech-centric, tech-heavy. So anyway, that's a little bit of a story out there today. I'm talking about earnings companies because we're in earnings season. Next week, we get 400-plus companies in the S&P 500 to report earnings. Next week's a big one. It's big and it's 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 supersized. It's something we pay attention to on Wall Street. And every earnings season, there's companies that we pay attention to like Intel and Schlumberger and General Electric and regional banks and companies like Fastenal and 3M. Disney was one that they're going to report on February 8th. And, you know, when you think about Disney, you think about movies. Sure. But you also should think about sports like ESPN because they own that. ABC. TV businesses, movies, and sports, all doing fine. Uh, When there's terrorism, their theme parks suffer. Think of them as a hotel company, a travel company. So they're not just an entertainment company, but they're also travel. So Disney gives us kind of a a feel on the overall education of what's happening in the economy. A company called Expeditors International, ticker symbol EXPD. They're a freight play. They're a logistics play. They're an export trade volume play. Think of them as the UPS, FedEx on an international level, what's going out versus what's coming in. So that stock soared 77% in the last year. Basically, stupendous earnings. They're going to report numbers on February 22nd. For them to beat that number would be stupendous, stupendous. But they got a billion dollars in cash. They got no debt. And they're a good feel for us on the world of the international economy. Obviously, Berkshire Hathaway, ticker symbol BRK. There's A shares. There's B shares. He comes out with his report on February 28th. And he had some losses last year, which quite honestly were embarrassing. And how does he recover from that? You know, uh, Burlington, Northern Santa Fe, Railroad, choo-choo. 
they'll help out. Geico, insurance, retailers, the rest of his broad portfolio should show some pretty strong results. So look for Berkshire Hathaway to have a little bit of a rebound. And again, it tells us a lot of what's happening in the economy. I love train companies. It was long before Berkshire Hathaway bought Burlington Northern that I told you like Norfolk, Santa Fe. Uh, These are really solid companies that don't have a lot of competition for the patient long-term investor. Next up in companies that you have to pay attention to is either Walmart or Costco. These guys are discounters. They are a different play on our economy. They are a downsizing of our economy. They're a play on the, the, the jobs. So Costco's sales growth rate, which fell to 6% during the recession, it's averaged 10% historically. It's back up to 9%, telling us that maybe the recession's behind us. So Costco reports its sales uh, March 3rd. And you know if we get 10%, that tells you that's historically back to the norm. If you get closer to 6% on sales, watch out. Not watch out below, but watch out. So those are some stocks that you pay attention to during earnings season. They give you a really good, clear path on what's happening in the world and the economy. Speaking about path and, and directions, this one's a little bit scary. This story comes to us from the New York Times today. And one of the things that they're, they're bringing up, the, the article's titled, Path is Sought for States to Escape Debt Burdens. Path sought for states to escape debt burdens. And this one scares me a little bit because I don't think a lot of people out there like you are, are, are counting on this. Some people who get pensions, they work for the DMV, they work for the state their whole life, and they get pensions. But policymakers are now working behind the scenes to come up with a way to let states declare bankruptcy and to get out from under crushing debts, including pensions that have been promised to retired public workers. That should scare the bejesus out of a lot of people, what I just said. Now, unlike cities, states are barred from seeking protection in federal bankruptcy court. Any effort to change that status would have to have a clear jump over constitutional hurdles because states are considered sovereign. Now, proponents say some states are so burdened that the only feasible way out is bankruptcy, like Illinois. What the, you know, the opportunity to do what General Motors did to their retirees and their pension plans, Illinois would like to do. Bankruptcy would permit a state to alter its contractual promises, which are often protected by state constitutions. It would give an alternative to a no-strings bailout. Along with retirees, however, investors in a state's bonds would suffer, and that state wouldn't be able to borrow money because basically they say they're going to bankruptcy. Who's going to lend them money? So it's a difficult problem to solve because on one hand, they want to talk about it. On the other hand, you talk about it. I ain't lending you money. Just the idea that you might go into bankruptcy scares the Jesus out of me. But California needs to do it. We promised people for way too long, way too much. Okay, I just heard a couple of you screaming, cut spending. I know. I know. I'm with you. But I can't necessarily do anything about that. So I'm telling you what's, what's being swirled around in the world of conversation. To get your calls on the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. You know, another contact that I, I'd, I'd like to hit real quickly is Steve Jobs. I'm starting to sense, and Wall Street's starting to sense, that he ain't coming back from medical leave this time. And if he does, it'll be as a consultant. So he pushed Apple single-handedly into the consumer electronics market with best-selling iPod, incredibly copied and, and stolen. The best-selling iPhone, people still try to con- copy its uh, form factor. He oversaw the creation of the iPad, the MacBook Air, 
a notebook that's less than an inch thick. Stunning. You know, lacking a lot of information about his recent illness. I'm not going to write his obituary yet, but I'm going to tell you, he's one of the greatest inventors of all time in America. And it's not really because of the iPod. The iPod's important, but the Apple IIe, the Apple IIc, was one of, he was the wizard behind. Now, Wozniak was the brains behind the graphics. Wozniak was the brains behind the disc controller. But the idea of putting technology in your hands and my hands was, was Steve. A lot of the products that followed the Apple II, the Apple III, the Lisa, they were failures. But the 1984 debut of the Macintosh, it continues to just be dominant out there. It's one of the greatest stories of product of all time. Not just because that commercial. Remember that commercial, the 1984 commercial? During the Super Bowl? I want to say it was the 49ers. Where the guy's running through a bleak IBM dark utopian dystopian future and throws a hammer and next thing you see is the colorful Apple logo. That was all, all about the Macintosh and the graphical user interface. To say nothing of the influence on development of Microsoft Windows, Windows started copying it. The software that powers the vast majority of world's computers. Apple didn't collapse when Jobs left in 1986. He lost a power struggle with a guy named John Scully, whom he recruited to be CEO. Whoops, messed that one up. But no less an authority to Scully in a remarkably clear interview he gave last year. He said it was the strength of Jobs' vision that allowed Apple to thrive for several years in the absence of the visionary himself. So Apple continued on even though Steve left. Now, Scully said in an interview that the one who should really be given credit for all this stuff while I was there was Steve. So a lot of people are a little freaked out that while Steve's gone, he did create a cult of Mac. So everything that Steve Scully did was, John Scully did, was tied towards following the philosophy of Steve Jobs. So Jobs left. He worked on a new computer company called Next, N-E-X-T. He found another way to affect the mass culture. He purchased an obscure filmmaking empire, teeny tiny graphics unit of George Lucas called Pixar. His eventual sale of that would basically catapult him into the largest shareholder of Walt Disney. Jobs is going to be remembered a lot like the greatest inventors of all time, the Edisons and the Ford. Because you really go back and you just see time and time again what he did was amazing. Ten years ago, we were listening to portable music on a Sony Discman. And now we're listening to iPods and MP3 players. So now piracy is out there and issues along that came with it that aren't good. But music and movies were purchased or rented in stores. Now we get our music and movies pushed straight to us. Wireless phones were made... Uh, for making phone calls. Now wireless phones are for web surfing, and web surfing's not only done on computers, but web surfing's done on phones and, and much, much more. So in a remarkably short period of time, 10 years, the iPod, iTunes, and iPhone appended such products, not to mention the enormous industries like wireless telephony, media that stood behind them. And with last year's spectacular, spectacular introduction of the iPod, Jobs has done it again. He's created another freaking fracking category, the tablet computer. And that's taken away from other businesses. Now, Apple's certainly capable of crappy products. He's come up with a mobile me service. He's uh, insisting on closed services and closed systems. Can't even replace your iPhone battery. So he's not all that in a bucket of chicken. But history's going to remember him much higher than Gates and Wells. 
History's going to remember him as an Edison or a Ford. You listen to Rob Black and your money. Coming up, I'm going to hit the news of the day, the stock market news that you need, and much, much more. You can call the show 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Don't forget, Ray Lucci is live in studio today. I'm Rob Black. You're listening to 1220 KDO. Welcome back in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Doing the show from a remote studio today as Ray Lucci is live and in my studio, in my air chair. So congratulations, Ray. You're sitting where I typically sit. It's an honor to be on the same station with Ray. Ray and I go back 15 plus years in business radio. We've crossed paths numerous times. He's in town to do a local seminar for you, the loyal listener. Pay attention to the next couple hours. I'm sure you'll learn much. Uh, Taking a look at Wall Street today, Dow up 31, NASDAQ down 3, S&P 500 up 3. It's a little bit of a give back. I like give backs. We've basically been in a moonshot since August. We've basically been in an uptrend since January. It's time to give a little bit back. Markets made up of winners and losers. Markets made up of periods of winning and losing. Markets made up of a little bit too much steam can get too crazy on the upside and invite speculation. So I want some down markets, and we're not really getting it. GE's numbers were just too freaking fracking good. So just as the banks started carrying us, they lose a little steam this week that a GE takes over, and then tech companies report blowout numbers. And, you know, the Apple's not really holding momentum at this point in time, maybe because of Steve Jobs taking an exit. Google's not holding momentum, maybe because there could be a, a lawsuit tied towards Java's being used in the Google Android operating system. Oracle doesn't much care for that. Oracle now the owner of Sun Microsystems Java. Maybe it's just time to take a little bit of a break, step back, see what our GDP is going to look like, step back, see what some of the economic data is going to look like, because we got no economic data today to chew on. Yesterday, we got some new unemployment claims, which were good. Any number under 450,000 tends to trend to on the good side. Any number above 450,000 is problematic. So we're dealing with a lot right now. I love it. It's Friday. It's Aloha Friday. I don't have to work again until Monday. No seminars for me this weekend. I just get to relax and chill. So the market's doing what I want it to do. It's doing exactly what I want it to do. I would almost say this market's too easy to figure out right now. And that's a little bit on the upsetting side. If I were to give you a little bit more of a breakdown, Google and GE both beat on the bottom line earnings, top lines revenue. Bank of America came up short of consensus, but I listened to some of their call this morning and I kind of liked what I heard. It's kind of a baby in the bathwater. Let's get some of our liabilities out behind us type of quarter. We need Bank of America to lead and the sooner they fess up and, and clean their books, the better. We need banks to lead. You may hate banks. Banks may be the most evil thing in the world to you. They may nickel and dime you. They may say you have to pay for your checking. Then your, your overdraft fees are too high. But if our banks collapse and fail, if they don't lead Wall Street, your 401k, your 403b, your 457 won't accumulate over time. We need the banks. Necessary evil. Hey, everyone. Just wanted to say thanks for listening this week. Uh, I'll talk to you next week. And uh, have a good weekend. It's Aloha Friday. Take care of your family. Take care of your loved ones. Talk to you soon.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.